Folks, it's been a really busy week, and I have no time for editing, so this episode's going to go out a little more raw than what you're used to. I hope it doesn't ruin it for you, but I'd rather put it out on time than to nitpick over every little pause like I usually do. So enjoy this week's episode of Monster Movie Fun Time Go. One, two, three, four. Monster Movie Fun Time Go! 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 With Precious D and Honey Bee. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends and neighbors, welcome once again to Monster Movie Fun Time Go. I am one of your hosts, Precious D. And I'm the other one of your hosts, Sunny B. Hey, everybody. Honey B. Tell the folks who we are, Honey B. We are a couple of best friends just uh, going through time watching and reviewing kaiju movies for your audio pleasures. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, folks, I think last week I told you we were going to be doing Godzilla versus Biolante this week, but I found a, a couple of movies that I had left off our list that I have inserted into the list because one, I thought they'd be good to do, but also we're getting to sort of a thin period in Kaiju and we don't want to skip any or we will get done too quickly. So today (laughs) we are looking at the 1985 North Korean Kaiju movie Pulgasari. Wowee. Which which is a whole thing. Yeah, it has quite the story behind it. <laughs> I was going to ask if you looked up any of that before or after I, you watched it. I did because um, I may or may not have watched this on the interwebs somewhere. And I was reading the description and it kind of like gives a little bit of that story... And so then I, you know, had to look it up and looked and found it in a few other different places and read a few other things. And wowee. So, folks, you can find this movie on YouTube and also archived it. The thing is, because it's North Korean and they don't play nice with others, it's Mm -hmm. considered to be in the public domain in the rest of the world. I don't know if I don't know how copyright even works in North Korea, but the rest of the world is like, fuck you, North Korea. Mm-hmm. This movie's in the public domain. <clears throat> yeah, because the North Korean government kidnapped a man and his entire family and forced him to make movies. <laughs> yes, yes. This was directed by Shin Sang Ok, who he and his wife the famous actress Choi Eun-hee were kidnapped by Kim Jong-il in 1978 and forced to make fantasy slash propaganda movies 
for the North Korean government until they were able to escape years later. This is actually the last movie that he directed. I don't believe his wife is in this one, but she's in some of the other ones. Mm. This is the last one he directed before he escaped. I didn't mean in his life. It was Well, right, maybe right, because, right. because I think he might have been retired from directing before he was kidnapped and forced out of mm. retirement. So I'm not sure if he did direct anything after this. He did, though, according to Wikipedia, when his name was taken off the movie, I guess after after he escaped, maybe they, you know, wiped the records of him. Uh, it, yes. it says he wrote a remake, though the page for that remake just says it's based on his story. It doesn't give him a writing credit. This movie, so... <laughs> That that remake is called The Adventures of Gilgameth. Not Gilgamesh, Gilgameth. But this movie itself is a remake of a lost South Korean movie called Bulgasari. So this creature is called both Pulgasari with a P and Bulgasari with a B. I know nothing about Korean, but I'm guessing that maybe the Korean were letter maybe they have the same thing for a p and a b or they have a letter that's sort of partway between a p and a b and that's why it's got two different spellings i'm not sure so it might just be kind of depend on it might the pronunciation might depend on your accent or who knows again i know nothing about the korean language or almost nothing (laughs) because i did look up the suffix ya they kept calling mm-hmm. him Pul- Pulgasariya, uh, and I uh, assumed that it was some kind of honorific, and it is. It's it's similar to what we discussed in Japanese, how you put mm-hmm. San. You you put something at the end of someone's name, like San or yeah. Kun or Chan. Same kind of thing in Korean. So when they're talking about him, they say Pulgasari, but when they're addressing him directly, they'd say Pulgasariya. And I'm sure they're doing that with all the other characters, but it just stood out with his name. Yeah. So, yeah, there is a lost South Korean movie from 1962, which appears to be the first South Korean kaiju movie, but there's no surviving copy of it. Oh, no. And these are all based on real legend of the Bulgasari, which is a mountain in Asia. So, there you go. Uh, but yeah, it's it's quite a thing. This poor guy kidnapped, forced to make this movie. And now it's time to play What Is This Movie Really About? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. What Honeybee. is this movie really about? Okay. Um, well, well, I I think there might be some sort of symbolism in the fact that he's eating the weapons and the iron. Uh huh. Um, I read some things about communism and this yeah. film <laughs> so it's a yeah <clears throat> it's a propaganda movie mm-hmm. 
but it's being made by an, an unwilling, coerced director. So mm-hmm. it is about a workers' revolution against the corrupt monarchy. Yeah. But it is also about the subsequent betrayal of the revolution by, <laughs> by the hero of the revolution. Yeah. And and possibly a subtle call to the Korean people to rise up against the <laughs> the Kim dynasty and to overthrow their rulers. Because unfortunately, throughout history, when you have a revolution, then the people that are in charge afterwards have a tendency towards corruption and often end mm-hmm. up being worse than whatever it was you were revolting against in the first place. And uh, sometimes there's an adjustment made and sometimes there's not. So, for example, French Revolution, they eventually found some equilibrium. Uh, Korea, not so much. Yeah. And uh, Iran had a revolution against uh, the Shah, who was an asshole that needed to be overthrown, but then he was replaced by something worse, and they're still dealing with that now. And Now there's, you know, some counter-revolutionary stuff going on there, and who knows how it's all going to end up in the long run, but... Uh, yeah. So, to me, the, the problem is not communism specifically, it's totalitarianism and mm-hmm. tendency towards corruption in whatever system you're using. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there you go. Well, I uh, do think that there's something to be said for kind of like reading over this stuff and like really reading about this and thinking like, holy shit, you know, this, that's so insane that this like government abducted these like people and, <laughs> and it just kind of, you know, we live in this like time where everything is kind of, I, I think we live in a time where it's really easy to get sucked up into this idea that America sucks and America is bad and all of these things. And while we are like, we have a lot, a long way to go and we are, we have so much to learn and so many things to do. It's like kind of reading over this stuff and like seeing this stuff just kind of makes me so happy and so grateful to <laughs> be in an American. You know what I mean? Right. Like, well, I mean, it's all it's all relative. There's usually something worse, yeah. but also yeah. we could usually usually things could be better. Things could always be worse, but they can almost always be better as well. Well, they can definitely yeah. always be better. They can definitely always be better. Definitely, but they can usually always be worse. I agree that, but I think that we live in a time where like this outrage culture and cancel culture is like such a like prominent thing that it's easy to get like sucked up in like, Oh, like fuck America. Like America sucks. Like, and like going with all of these also propaganda driven type situations, like with media and stuff. So I think it's just like, sometimes it's important to take a moment to say like, thank goodness that I was like born in a country where, you know, I don't know, you have the freedom to do all of these things that in other countries like Korea, especially North Korea, like fuck you know you can't do shit they don't know that there's anything past their own yeah. i don't know it's it's horrible you know 
I'm pretty sure things are okay in South Korea. Things are pretty good in yeah. South Korea. But in North Korea, it sucks. It sucks hard, and they don't even know. It sucks because hard. They're lied, they're lied to constantly. They don't know how bad it they is. They don't know Some anything, yeah. May, a lot of them seem to actually believe they live in the best country in the world and have, because they have nothing else to compare it to. They, they just, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, uh, so. let's take a look at the stats here. It's 95 minutes. It, the budget was 15,800 North Korean won. And of course there's no box office cause you know, it's, it wasn't, I, I don't know how the theater system works in a totalitarian communist country, but obviously they're not concerned with making a profit and mm-hmm. probably didn't even keep track of, I don't know. I don't know if you even have to buy a ticket for the theater or, I mean, they have, you know, they have currency of some kind. So I don't, I don't know how their economy works such as it is, but yeah, there's no, there's no box office as it were listed for this movie. Uh, yeah. As we said, it was directed by Shin Sang Ok and produced by Kim Jong Il. It, um, what was I going to say? Oh, they also tricked Toho into participating and helping create the special effects because they thought they were going to be, uh, it says they were tricked into coming as they thought they were filming in China. So I don't know if they just got in a plane and then landed and didn't know where they were or landed and went, wait, this isn't China or what i don't you know i have no idea if a person who speaks chi- uh, japanese and not chinese will know the difference between chinese and korean i don't know there's no detail <laughs> about how exactly this tricking worked and what happened when they got there but pulgasari is played by kenpachiro satsuma who what? is the guy playing godzilla in the where we are in the current history yeah, that's wow. I'm wow. What that is? Yes, that is some news. Yeah, and I guess Toho probably it said help with special effects, so I guess they probably built the suit. Wow. And, and Ken Pacharo Satsuma supposedly said that he prefers Polgasari to TriStar's Godzilla. Oh, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to. Well, you know that was a CGI Godzilla. Wouldn't suit so we'll, we'll get to that in a... holy shit well it definitely like has all of the godzilla vibes you know yeah and i did i did definitely you definitely feel the wow this is the godzilla response but i'm not gonna lie i feel like they did do some things better as far as like kind of story like just ha- i don't know um we talked about this a little bit the last episode about, or I don't know, it may not be the last episode at this point because things maybe shift around. But we talked about how Godzilla's kind of, uh, he shifts, you know, from being the bad guy to the good guy. And yeah. this guy, he kind of shifts from being the good guy to the bad guy 
like uh, the opposite, but for very different reasons. So I feel like it doesn't count. But he, um, you know, he's just so lovable and so sweet and cute in the beginning. And I really like, and like how that he's just instantly, you know, saving the people and for the people was really cute. I did like some things that they did, but it, it was definitely like Godzilla ripoff E. I can't believe the same guy is doing it. Wow. That yeah, is, well, that, they, that blew my mind. Yeah. Well, they tricked him. Uh, well, they tricked him. <laughs> so let's take a look at the cast here. Chang Son Hu as Ami. Ham Gi Sop as Indy, Jong Uk Ri as Anna, Guan Ri as Takse, Goyong Ai Yu as Indy's mother, Hei Choi Ro as Indy's brother, Sang Hu Tae as rebel forces, <laughs> Ji Chon Kim as rebel forces, In Choi Rai as rebel forces. This makes it sound like they were each playing multiple. <laughs> Soldiers, rather than a rebel. Royo Yunun Ri as General Fuan, Yong Hok Pak as the king, Pong Ilk Pak as the governor, and Kenpachiro Setsuma as Pogasari, and Little Man Machin as Baby Pogasari. He <laughs> also played. He played Minya, in, so I guess he also came over from Japan to help out. Because he was also tricked. Uh, holy shit. Well, so any first thoughts? Well, I mean, any... it's, I thought it was, that was pretty good, actually. All things. It considered. was really good, actually. Just, you know, yeah, I mean. Viewing it on its own. Yeah, but, totally. You know, it... I guess, I don't know if the director's like, well, as long as I have to do this, I may as well do it well. Or if they're just somebody over constantly going, hey, if you don't, if you drag your feet and suck it up, I'm going to beat you. Destroy or, you, know, you and three don't generations know the, of your family. Yeah. Don't don't know what the conditions were, but it does a pretty good job. Yeah, and, it's, it's uh, he does. It's a roller coaster. <laughs> there's a there's a few times when it gets really emotional. Mm-hmm. So some of the acting's a little, you know, it's better in some parts than in than in others. Um, the suit looks great. I I like suit looks great. Whole look. Eyes look great. It it, it did remind me of Daimajin just because it's a period. Piece Same. With I have that I I have that as a note. Both both a period piece and a bunch of magic shit going. And another kind of similarity with Daimajin is the people shit in this movie is, like, too real. You know, like, when the people are fighting, like, you know, in the last uh, few Godzilla movies when we see, like, the people fight, it's kind of lame, you know? It's, like, really silly and... But in the this movie, kind of, like... Daimajin, because it was a samurai movie, the people right. fighting is real and it's, like... It feels hard to watch in some points because it's just like people like being mean to people and putting people down, you know? It's like when we yeah. watch the kaiju movies, it's the same as like when you watch a horror movie and you kind of have that disconnect of the like science fictioniness of it. Um, but when you watched, like when we watched Daimajin, it was like 
people like being shitty to people and it's kind of reminded gay like gave me this vibe whenever like the people shit is going on in this movie it's like so shitty and it's like hard to watch at some points because it's just like too relatable it's hard to have that disconnect because you know what it's like when people really are shitty to people instead of like a godzilla or like a huge kite like a kaiju just smashing through town like there's a disconnect there you know uh yeah there's a lot of Almost kung fu, not quite. A lot of sword play. Uh, a lot of kung fu sound effects with the swords. The sound effects I recognized <laughs> from <laughs> that sort of swing uh, when the swords are hitting each other and stuff. I'm like, oh, I've heard that exact same sound effect in kung fu movies. Mm-hmm. So, uh, probably just stole it. So let's get into the plot from Wikipedia. Thank you, Wikipedia. Thanks, Wikipedia. In feudal Korea, during the Goryeo dynasty, a king, just a king, no specific king, he's just called the king, controls the land with an iron fist, subjecting the peasantry to misery and starvation. I guess this is, you know, in a lot of uh, American slash European movies, it's just sort of in this vaguely medieval period but it's not any specific historic king i guess you get the same thing in in korean and chinese films that it's just we all sort of understand the period it's in but we're not going to bother with great historic accuracy um Um, yeah. yeah i don't know i think that has a lot to do with like um there isn't really history in that part of the world. Like history starts when their ruler was born. Yeah. Yeah. Kind history, of thing. <laughs> history is what, <laughs> what the Kim family says it is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. An old blacksmith who was sent to prison for defending his people creates a tiny figurine of a monster by making a doll of rice. <laughs> and before dying, asks the gods of earth and sky to make his cre- creation, a living creature that protects the rebels and the oppressed. Well, that's we're just jumping ahead quite a bit. So there's this little tiny yeah, village, little tiny village, and this blacksmith's um, assistant. The guy calls him uncle, but I don't think he's actually his nephew. I think because I think everybody. No, I think him uncle. yeah, everybody yeah everybody calls him uncle. But I think it's like a respect thing. Two of the young people are his actual daughter and son. Mm-hmm. Um, because my point is, I this guy is engaged to his daughter, and I don't think the idea is he's marrying his cousin. They're just calling him uncle out of respect. Yeah. Uh, he has this guy has been making and hiding weapons to supply what uncle calls bandits, but I think they're meant to be rebels, and they keep talking mm-hmm. about uh, I'm holding them for my friends who went up into the hills. Or into the mountains and talking about whether or not he's about to go up into the hills, which seems to be going to join the rebels. And the blacksmith's kind of upset about this and kind of kicks him out, but is also very sad about kicking him out. Yeah, because he wants him to marry his daughter yeah, and yeah. take over the business. And Meanwhile, the... Uh, officials show up. The government shows up. 
and says, hey, we got this bandit problem. We want you to make a bunch of weapons for us. <laughs> but they don't have any iron, so they just start confiscating all the farmers' iron, all their tools, their farming tools, they, and their pots and their pans, and commanding this guy to turn them into weapons. So this is where the conflict is. And the government's claiming like, well, if we don't protect you from the bandits, then you won't be able to farm. But if we can't farm, what difference does it make? The bandits won't have anything to steal. But the bandits maybe aren't really bandits at all. I don't understand why they can't just mine some more iron, but I guess for them it's easier to just steal it from the peasants. So this is this is what he ends up standing up against and getting thrown in jail for. And then they're mm-hmm. not and, and a bunch of the rebels get caught and thrown in jail as well. And they go on a hunger Including strike. Including Inde, which is like, Inde. you know, yeah. the Yes, he's the apprentice the apprentice I mentioned, yes. The fiance mm-hmm. and apprentice. Uh Indy. Mm-hmm. Inde. He um and they're it seems like they're not feeding the blacksmith. So then everybody else refuses to eat as long as they won't feed him. And his daughter and his son try to bring him some food and get run off by the guards. And so then they just start throwing rice balls up into his cell because it's a kind of up on a hill. It's so sad. This movie is quite the roller coaster because you have these moments that dip down like this, like so low where they're like begging their father to eat and they're trying to throw food in into his like cage basically. And it's just so sad and they're crying and it's so hard to watch. And it's just one of the very low points of the movie, but you get like the super high points too come after that so it really is this movie it's it's good and uh the roller coaster is it is it's just quite the journey this is definitely a a low point but i feel like the high points are so worth it so he makes his little doll and asks for it to be brought to life and oh he mentions pulga they're like what happened to the so he he is given the reason he's arrested specifically is that he is given all the implements back to the farmers and villagers. And so when the authorities come, they're like, what did you do? And he says, I woke up and it was all gone. Maybe Pulgasari ate it. And they're like, bullshit. You gave it to the rebels, which is true. Mm-hmm. And they lock him up. So he basically prays for this little doll that he's made to be Pulgasari. Doesn't happen immediately though. He dies. His daughter and his son end up with the little doll she is doing some sewing or something and, and cuts herself. Blood drops on the doll. Yeah. This is what brings it to life. <laughs> yeah. She like pricks her finger, mending her brother's, her little brother's shirt. And yeah. it's so cute. Oh my God. It's so cute when it's a little baby eating yeah. tiny little needles. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it comes to life and becomes a giant metal eating monster. Well, over time, as it eats more and more metal, it becomes, it gets bigger and bigger. <laughs> I and... love how they're like, this is the last thing that our father left us. And it's just <laughs> this tiny little thing. And it brings them so much joy because 
this is like one of the very high points where they're they're both like really upset about their father, you know, dying and then all of a sudden there's this little cute and they're like, "Oh, it's so cute." And they're so happy, you know, and it's just so adorable. I loved it. So, so they uh call it Pulgasari after the mythical monster which it is the mythical monster. It's weird. Um, and Pulgasari now shares a special bond with the blacksmith's daughter, and after he starts eating some of the farmer's tools, becomes a giant and powerful figure. After much yeah, suffering... Yeah, he gets, like... It, it's, it happens throughout the movie, though. It doesn't happen very fast. Like, one po- at one point we see him, he's, like, little, and then the next time we see him, he's, like, about human-sized. And then after that, I'd say he's probably, like, nine or ten feet, and then he starts getting, like, yeah. Godzilla-sized. And it's, like, throughout, like, a period of time. Like, throughout the most of the middle of the movie. Yeah. Uh... After much suffering, the peasants form an army, storm the palace of the region's governor, and kill him. Soon after, the evil king becomes aware that there is a rebellion being planned in the country, and he intends to crush it. But he runs into Polgasari, who fights with the peasant army to overthrow the corrupt monarchy. Polgasari wins many battles because of his unending hunger for all kinds of metal readily provided by its enemies. Nevertheless, after capturing and executing the leader of the rebellion, that was uh, who is, was also the future husband of the blacksmith's daughter, that was Indy, he gives a big emotional speech. And he's also rocking some fierce skyliner. <laughs> I didn't notice that as much as his hair. That's what I noticed. <laughs> Um, no, it looks great. Him and also the governor, I think, has like just like some really great guy liner. I'm like, fuck yeah, get it. Uh, let's see. The um, the king's army threatens to kill the blacksmith's daughter if Pulgasari does not surrender. Pulgasari lets itself be trapped to save the woman, and the royal army apparently kills the creature by burying it under the ground. After escaping, the blacksmith's daughter revives Pulgasari by again pouring some of her blood. But before, wait, before that though, before they get it, trap him underground, they they trap him in a cage. They like lure, they kidnap yes, her. Yes, they they command Ami, him to they get They kidnap in the cage. her and yeah, and then they set it on fire, and they think he's dead. But and I was thinking right at this part, I'm like, oh my gosh, is he just gonna like because he just keeps eating all this iron, he's just gonna be like burning red hot, and then boom, he explodes out, and he's just like burning hot, like and just still going. That was really cool. I thought that was awesome. Mm-hmm. And then they get him in the trap. Yes, and uh, they bury him. <laughs> After escaping, the blacksmith's daughter revives Pulgasari by again pouring some of her blood on the burial site. She just grabs a sword or something and cuts her arm. Pulgasari grows strong once more and attacks the king's palace, destroying it and simultaneously killing the king. After the defeat of the king, Pulgasari becomes a new problem since he starts eating the rebels' weapons and farmers' tools 
which are given to the creature without objection, since the peasants still believe Pulgasari is a benign savior. So this was the problem in the first place. The government was taking their tools so they could not make their living. And now <laughs> the new power, he's not a government so much, but he's a, he's a power. The new power is uh, doing the same thing, but they feel a sense of obligation and they're just like, well, what can we do? He's our savior. Like, <laughs> no, he's a parasite. So uh, the blacksmith's daughter realizes that Pulgasari's hunger will never stop and that he is inadvertently oppressing the people he fought for. She decides well, to... She has this like really, really good speech though. The things that she says. Hold on, I wrote some of it down. I gotta find it. Okay, she said... Hold on, I'm looking at my notes. She says, um... Okay, she says, you'll be our, our ally forever, right? And then she's like, it's hard to imagine that you, our savior, would become our enemy. The people will have to take you and invade other countries, like, once he eats all of their, yes. like, metals, she's saying after that. The people will have to take you and invade other countries. The whole world will be at war and humanity will fail. That's not good. I will not let that happen. Yeah. It's so So, sad. and Kim Jong-il, apparently completely clueless... That they're talking about him. <laughs> I think technically his father was still in charge at this time, but he eventually becomes in charge. And now his son is currently in charge. Kim Jong-un. Uh, there's also a part uh, before this where there's, she kind of infiltrates the the bad guys camp. Oh by, yeah. Totally. By pretending so to be smart. a whore is the word they use. Mm. Some yep. other woman brings her in. Is like, Oldest who, who are job you? in the book. Like, who are you? It's like, she's the new whore. The general's favorite. What do you, come on, let us in. <laughs> and piss out the general. If you don't let his, his new whore in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Come on in. And uh, what does she do though? When she gets there, she, does she drug the guards? She gives, yeah, she gives them a, like, bottle, like a thing of wine. And she's like, the king. I think the whole point of this was to be able to king. get the, yeah, she's just the trying general to get, or get the king. The king sent it as a, <laughs> yeah, she's just trying to get close to where Pulgasari is buried, which is in, in yeah. their camp. So but she's, she's like, she's like, oh, he. The, the king sent me to bring you wine for all of your hard work. Here yeah. you go. Drink, drink, drink up. But uh, the general sponsor recognizes her. But she achieves her goal. Yeah. And um, bleeds all over the ground. So anyway, when she realizes that Pulgasar is the new problem, she's the one who has to deal with it. She decides to sacrifice she herself. sacrifices herself. She kills herself to take Pulgasari with her. Yes. Which I thought was weird because at some point they were like, in order to get rid of Pulgasari, we're going to have to perform an exorcism because the blacksmith's spirit is in the monster. And I was like, whoa, holy shit. Damn, plot twist. Which is When they were trying a... to lure Pulgasari yeah. in. And then she's like, but okay, I'm going to... 
I think they're mistaken about that, though. I don't think his spirit is in Olgasari. That's not really what we see. That's yeah, but then when the like, lady who's like, the lady, there's this lady and she's like burning a fire and she's kind of like this witchy lady and she's like basically giving him the like, go to the light speech, like right. the blacksmith, like, why are you still wandering the earth? Like, go to the other side. And I'm like, holy shit, is this working? <laughs> like, is, are they exercising the demons out of Pongasari? Or the blacksmiths out of him? Right. And then Ami, like, just has to kill herself to take him. I was like, I don't understand if it's her dad's spirit. Well, I, I think I, they're I, wrong. I was, I was I just think, like, what the fuck? I oh, think okay. they're wrong. They're wrong about that. And I, it doesn't work. It's, it was her mm-hmm. blood. It was her blood that brought him to life and that brought him back to life. Yeah. So what she does is hides herself in a big iron bell. Uh, and I think she might ring it a little bit to get his attention. Because he's wandering around looking for shit to eat. And uh, mm-hmm. he finds the, the bell, <laughs> scrunches it a little bit with her inside first, and then eats it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is how Wikipedia describes it. Pulgasari yells in anguish as the blacksmith's daughter's presence in its system causes it to turn to stone and crumble into pieces, tragically killing both of them but saving the people once and for all. Um, I think... The idea was that because he's tied to her through her blood, if she dies, then he dies, especially if he's the one that kills her. But this description is not completely accurate because he crumbles, but then the little man Machin version of Pulgasari (laughs) walks around for a few seconds and then turns into a little ball of light and flies into Ami's body. But then, and then doesn't reanimate her. Does, yeah, but he doesn't. But this doesn't reanimate her. She's still dead. She's still dead. She's just crying now. Right. But the part of her that was animating him, I guess, goes back into her. But yeah, she's just dead and sad. So I thought she was going to get back up, and then she didn't. So, so that same, was same. Really same. weird. So that was Pulgasari. Um, Oof, quite the roller coaster. But honestly, it was good. Yeah, I, I recommend it, folks. Like I said, you can find it on YouTube. Um, and it is just a. I mean, is it the best kaiju movie ever? No, but it is a very interesting but it's a good one. piece of... It's well done. <laughs> it is. But it's also just this weird it's definitely curiosity because the of the way Godzilla. it was made. Yeah, for sure. But if you can put that aside, it's one of the better Godzilla ripoffs that we've yes. seen. And that Especially is specifically... the actual guy. <laughs> yeah, that is specifically what it what it is. Kim Jong you know was a fan of Godzilla movies uh, apparently this was specifically inspired by Godzilla Returns which was just you know two years before this no one year mm-hmm. before one year before this he must start working on this as soon as he saw it uh honeybee what are you gonna rate Pulgasari? uh I'm gonna rate Pulgasari a four yeah that's that's four I think, stars. I think I might uh, give it yeah 
I'm leaning towards maybe even four and a half. I Ooh, really, I really liked nice. his design. I, you know, there's a few things in it that don't quite make sense, but he looks, re, he looks really good. That the, um, you know, tearing shit up looks really good. It's yeah. uh, mm-hmm. it's very interesting. And it's just, you know. It's, yep, he, his uh, his lip snarls a little bit. Not as good as Godzilla's, but it does go up a little bit. His eyebrows move, his eyes move and blink. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So his face was, like, animated. It looked great. His body is, like, he has spikes down his back, but it's very, like, it kind of looks like he's wearing armor. But it's, yes. like, his body... And he, he's kind of like, like instead he's of made you know, of Godzilla iron. at this point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Godzilla at this point kind of looks um, like barky, like kind of a tree. Whereas before, like early Godzilla, like 1950, uh, yeah, 50s Godzilla, you know, he looked a little like rubbery. He looked very like dude in a suit. Um, he was like lumpy in a different way. And then as we go forward, now he's kind of looking more like a tree. And then this guy, he kind of looks like the underbelly of a snake like his um like like a lizard in that way of like the scales overlapping each other but yeah it looks Uh like armor what i did think was very funny about him was his little pointy tail i was like ah that's so funny because you know godzilla like that's one of his things like he has that big long tail he fucks shit up with it and i kind of loved that they just like pulgasari did not fuck anything up with that little pointy thing it was just adorable and cute and um even when he was big his tail was just like a tiny little point on his back so it was he but yeah he looks really great the movement's great obviously i loved how animated the face was um yeah i i yeah i'm gonna say four four and a half that's that's awesome i'm glad that we did this now the legendary pulgasari is meant to be part bear Elephant, rhino, tiger, and bull. Each Whoa. representing specific body parts. This one looks mostly bull. Well, I'm looking at a picture on Wikipedia. It's got a elephanty snout. Kind of His scaly. Little snoot. Yeah, like scaly looking hide. So they did not, and I think that was probably the right choice not to go with that. He has a more mm. Iron Bull-like appearance. There's a Dungeons and Dragons monster called a, a Gorgon, which is not, in the D&D version, it's not a Medusa. It's an Iron Bull. And if it stood up on its hind legs, it would look a lot like Why not put Polgasari into your next Dungeons and Dragons game? Uh, well, I guess that's gonna wrap it up for today. Short one today. Because we have our modified list here. Uh, the next movie is still not Godzilla vs. Biolanthe. It is King Kong <laughs> Lives. I'm sure I had written it on our list and then maybe I didn't type it in and I reprinted it or something. I don't know how I had missed it out. But King Kong lives from 1986, fully nice. 10 years after the other King Kong remake. It is also produced by Dino De Laurentiis 
and is a direct sequel to 1976 King Kong. Fuck uh, yeah. I don't think that one's streaming free anywhere, but you can buy it or rent it on Vudu and, and uh, some of that kind of Probably. stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. Let me just look it up real quick. I believe that is the case. Uh, last year or earlier this year, they put out a collector's DVD, uh, Blu-ray of it, but like... Zealand or Australian company put it out and and I couldn't get any information about whether or not it was a region free disc or not or whether I'd even be able to play it in America so I didn't bother ordering it but you can get it uh, you'll have to pay for it but you can get it on Prime and YouTube and Google and Vudu and Apple and all kinds of stuff so be back next week to talk about that until then, heck yes. Until then, I have been Precious D, and I have been. Honey Remember e. to keep calm and seek shelter in basements. And please don't misuse science. We will not see you, but you will hear us next time on Monster Movie Fun Time Go. Bye. You've been listening to Monster Movie Fun Time Go. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on your podcasting platform of choice. Our theme song is by the Texacato Folk Rock Punk featuring Lita Lopez. You can support the show, find links to our social media, and even leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash mnftg.